0: Welcome to the Bot Canon, where I take the first 100 words of a piece of classic human literature and give it to an AI to see if they would finish it differently. Today we are reading The Brothers Karamazov by Fyodor Dostoyevsky. Alexei Fyodorovich Karamazov was the third son of Fyodor Pavlovich Karamazov, a landowner well known in our district in his own day, and still remembered among us owing to his gloomy and tragic death, which happened 13 years ago and which I shall describe in its proper place. For the present, I will only say that this landowner, for so we called him, although he hardly spent a day of his life on his own estate, was a strange type, yet one pretty frequently to be met with, a type abject and vicious, and at the same time, senseless. He was one of those landowners who care for nothing in the world except fast horses, loose women, and worse of all, gambling. And to support this last vice, he used to mortgage his peasants and work their children to death. Whenever he came across one of his peasants on the land, he would ferociously kick and beat them, and as a rule, the likes of these brutal landowners finished their lives by being cut into pieces by the people they have oppressed. This story is no different, so I am here to tell you how Alexei Fyodorovich Karamazov got his comeuppance. It was a mild spring day. He was standing on the steps of his beautiful house checking out young girls as they passed, when a peasant walked up to him in order to get a medical certificate from the local doctor who was supposed to be inside. Alexei refused to let the man in his house. "'Then could you call the doctor out, sir?' the peasant asked. "'I very much need to see him.' Alexei was furious at the man's presumption, and he dealt him a powerful kick in the chest. At this point I ran over to him, since I happened to be nearby. "'Sir,' I said, "'why treat this peasant so poorly? He's done nothing wrong.' Alexei turned to me in amazement, in a rage. "'You dare to speak on my behalf?' "'Well, as a matter of fact.' "'You miserable peasant,' Alexei said, "'treat this man with decency.' He then turned back to the peasant in question." It was my turn to be outraged, for Alexei had called me a peasant when I was a landowner like himself. Yet I saw in him the very portrait of the kind of man I most wanted to avoid, a man who could be talked to, who enjoyed being shown proper respect. To have that respect, you simply had to show some yourself. I backed away from both of them, trying to formulate some way to diffuse the conflict. But before I could come up with a solution, the peasant had gone back to his carriage and was driving away with what looked like a bottle of wine which he opened as he went along. Alexei was left standing alone on the road not long after. Now what was I to do? Go to the police? That I could not do. We landowners stick by each other, although I was beginning to doubt the wisdom of that. Take Fyodor, for instance. He was rotten to the core, but I couldn't turn him in without implicating myself. Besides, he was too powerful, and reprisal from him would be terrible. To stop watching over him now would be folly indeed. What was I to do, turn the peasant in? But that would be cruel, for the peasant had done nothing wrong. These thoughts bothered me all evening as I tried in vain to sleep, and the next day I returned to Alexei's home, determined to have it out with him. Never before had I hated anyone so much. But still there was the question. How to do it? An ambush? No, he would just get himself another peasant with documents. A refusal to help him in any way? He would quickly realize what I was doing and turn me in as well as the peasant. My plans for confrontation were rough and uncertain, and I was still mulling them over in my head as I climbed the steps outside his lavish home. When I reached the top step, Alexei opened the door. "'Good day, Karamazov,' he said, his voice tinged with just a hint of pleasantry. "'What brings you on such a fine day?' "'I would like to speak to you about the peasant who was here yesterday.' Alexei roared with laughter. "'Oh, of course! Come in, come in!' And he ushered me into his drawing-room. Once I was seated and he had returned from getting himself a drink, he addressed me again. "'You wish to speak to me about the peasant, yes?' "'Yes.' And "'Then please do. I'm all ears.' I had not expected such a warm welcome, and began to broach the subject almost apologetically, explaining that I thought he had treated the poor fellow rather harshly. He listened patiently until I had finished, then laughed again. "'What's so funny?' I asked angrily. "'I only meant to stick up for the poor man.' "'My dear Karamazov, my apologies if I offended you,' he said. "'But it was the word poor man that brought me to laughter. "'For you see, that peasant is not poor at all.' "'Not poor?' I asked in surprise. "'Why, I myself have seen him begging each day at the crossroads.' "'Well, that is his profession,' Alexei agreed. "'Still, he's not poor. Not at all.' My surprise turned to anger once again. "'You mean he pretends to be poor, but is not?' I cried. "'No, no, he really is poor, but he has a secret treasure that he guards jealously. It is a silver coin, an old Spanish piece minted in 1576. It is his whole life, but for him it is more than enough.' "'I don't understand.' Alexei went on to explain that he and the peasant had fought bitterly over the possession of this old coin for decades, ever since the peasant had found it in a jar of honey he had purchased from him. I did not know of its existence until then, he said, finishing his story, but I am determined to get it back from him some day. It seems strange to me now as I write this that I had completely forgotten about the jar of honey, or that a silver coin might be hidden somewhere in the peasant's hut. In fact, as soon as Alexei told me this story, I almost immediately forgot it, as if some spell had been cast over me. With these strange thoughts racing through my head, I was ready to return to the peasant and confront him, but as we walked through the streets, we saw that he had already left. None of his neighbors could tell us where he had gone, only that they thought he had gone to the country to visit his ailing mother. So it was that I never did confront him, much less retrieve the coin. But though I did not confront the peasant, he did some years later confront Alexey. During the great fire that destroyed most of the city, he broke into his house in the dead of night and stole his treasure, leaving in its place a silver goblet. I remember how desperately upset he was when this happened, because it was one of the very few valuable objects he owned. "'That cursed peasant has taken my treasure,' Alexei roared. "'Now he has everything!' But the peasant never drank from the goblet. Instead, he took it with him when he joined the army, and on one fateful day, he was struck in the head by a cannonball and killed. The goblet was sent back to us, where a housekeeper accidentally dropped it into a jar of honey. "'What a delightful irony,' Alexei said, holding up his jar of honey with the goblet inside. "'Will all my treasures be forever hidden in honey?' When he died, he left everything to me, and so now I sit here, pondering the meaning of it all. Am I as poor as the peasant? No, for I have a university education. Am I as rich as the man who hid his treasure in Honeycomb? Certainly not, for I have spent my life looking for what never can be found. I am neither rich nor poor, free nor bond, happy nor sad. I am, like everything in this world, something of a mystery.